0: Coming to you from the Ultra Staff Studios in Chicago, welcome to the Staffing Buzz Network with your host, Bob Petke. Hello, Staffing World, and welcome to the Staffing Buzz Network. I am Bob Petke, the Chief Sales Officer here for Ultra Staff Edge. We are a full service front office and back office ATS CRM solution for uh, staffing companies, just like many of the ones that you work at. Um, With this podcast, it continues to be our intent to add value to the staffing community by having subject matter experts on the Staffing Buzz Network, like the one we have today. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce uh, Kathy. How are you, Kathy?
1: Hi, good to see you, Bob. Thanks for having me.
0: Kathy, I'm so glad you're here. So today's guest is Kathy Canfield. I'm going to give you some information. It's going to kind of, I've said this now three times in a row. Uh, It's going to be like, this is your life in staffing, Kathy. So uh, (laughs) our guest is Kathy Canfield. She is the vice president of Enterprise uh, Transformation uh, at EmployBridge, which is, I believe, the largest light industrial staffing company in North America. That's right. That sound right? That's right. Okay, and at Employee Bridge, Kathy, you you are focusing on innovative solutions, uh, digital transformation to benefit companies and workers. Additionally, Kathy, uh, again, this is your life. You actively pursue new ways to perform work uh, to positively impact client, associate, and colleague experience. Uh, Kathy, you 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 have a deep, uh, deeply invested. Uh, interest in the development of EmployBridge throughout leadership and insights, including, and I'm going to put quotes here, uh, the Voice of the American Workforce Survey. Yep. Uh, also, EmployBridge's Better Work Life Academy and the Life Skills Studio. How am I doing so far?
1: Awesome. I love it. Love okay. it. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um. So through these efforts, you know, what you're doing is you're seeking to improve uh, the associate's uh, work lives through empathy, understanding, education, and stability, which leads to higher engagement and longevity with customers. So again, I just kind of laid it all on the line for you, Kathy. Welcome. We're so glad to have you here on the Staffing Buzz Network. Awesome.
1: So excited to be here. Appreciate Kathy, it. as
0: I as I dive in, um, you know, one of the things that I like to do is as we bring in subject matter experts is um you know, this is my opportunity for you and and, uh, to kind of, you know, put our money where our mouth is as far as having a a quality caliber person on. So Kathy, in 2023, you were named to the Global Power 150 Women in Staffing List for 2023. That was in November. So first off, congratulations.
1: Thank you so much. Huge honor
0: tell tell me or tell the audience uh, you know something about this list, you know, tell us about this list, what it really is comprised of what what's its uh you know what's the root of this and and secondly, uh, you know, what does this mean for you?
1: Yeah, great. I mean, for those who maybe don't know, I mean, it's- Women in staffing, uh, you know, we drive a lot of the staffing industry, you know, throughout certainly uh, the United States and North America, but also globally. And so uh, I think it's a great opportunity for SIA, the organization who, um, you know, announces uh, and recognizes these women to say, hey, uh, we have some movers and shakers out there who are imagining the future, you know, of staffing Uh, labor is a big part of our world, right? Right. And if we don't have the right people uh, in the right seats, uh, it can definitely affect how productive we are, whether we're in the logistics space or the clerical space or transportation. And so um, the list is meant to identify uh, women who are leading, you know, and that can be certainly an innovation or transformation, but also you know, CEOs, folks who are rethinking diversity and equity in the workplace. I mean, just really amazing things. Um, folks who've ultimately gone out and grown through MA and now are, you know, leading um, huge parts of their organizations in safety and risk and legal. And so just a huge honor and a really neat thing that the SIA does to spotlight uh, some leaders in the industry.
0: No. And, I appreciate it, right? I appreciate the, the explanation and um, coast to coast. You know, I've been in this industry on the staffing side of things uh, for many, many years. And I know a lot of very smart men and women. And in this particular case, we're talking about women like yourself. Uh, what a tremendous uh, honor and privilege. And again, kudos and, and congratulations on that once again. Thank you so much. Tell me, Kathy, now as part of this group, what, what does this mean for you?
1: Yeah, you know, it's my first year um, being named to this uh, to this awesome group of women. And, you know, for me, it was just an opportunity. I, to your point, I've been in uh, the staffing space for a while and uh, know a lot of these folks, whether personally or from afar, have just respected uh, how folks have come up in the organizations uh, that they're a part of or have made moves uh, that have allowed them to become le- you know, leaders in their organizations. And so sure. uh, for me, you know, uh, being with Employee Bridge now, I've had the huge uh, opportunity and just been blessed really to uh, be allowed to dabble in a lot of different uh, things over the years and, and given me a huge opportunity for growth and for learning. And so um, for me, it's just uh, you know, sort of a confirmation of, yes, like you have done these things and they're able to be recognized in a, in a larger forum outside the company, you know, so um, just a huge honor and really cool to um, be able to represent Employbridge as well uh, on that stage. So super excited.
0: No. And, uh, you know, Kathy and I, former colleagues, and, and from the time that I've known you from several years back, uh, you're an out-of-the-box thinker. Uh, you have, uh always been on the cutting edge of, of innovation, which is part of what we talked about when I first introduced you. And, uh, you know, and I think that, uh, you know, congratulations on your first of many years uh, on that list. So, so well done. Kathy, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. And you talked about being in staffing. And I, I'm asking this of everybody that comes on. How did you end up or get into staffing in the first place, because I like I don't think you probably studied it in school. Uh, <laughs> tell, tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I think we all would agree no one planned to go into the staffing industry. Right. And I am I am not alone or unique. Um, you know, my early years were spent in economic development and small business development. And, you know, think to yourself uh, business plans and SBA loans and uh, boards of directors and, you know, just developing uh, teams and and businesses and choosing sites for awesome, huge manufacturing facilities and those types of things. And so um, when I got the opportunity to meet with um, a, a small, we would consider small compared to uh, Employee Bridge today, a small staffing company in Indiana, uh, and they were looking for just a leader locally and Um, It was family owned. And it was one of these conversations like, you don't know anything about staffing yet, but you have all this small business development and all this know how. And so together, this could be something really cool. Um, You know, will you come in and learn the ropes and then help us grow? Right. And so, um, you know, I joined the company, then we had like seven offices, maybe 26 million in revenue annually. So, but we would consider relatively small uh, in the staffing space. And when we got acquired by employee bridge, uh, 10 years later, um, you know, we had 125 offices ish and over 400 million in sales. And so uh, just a huge opportunity, what I would consider a bunch of young people in staffing, having a total blast (laughs) working uh, really hard uh, to, to compete uh, in the space. And to your point to think, about staffing differently. And so, you know, when you work in a smaller environment like that, with a lot of people who you really enjoy, you're able to imagine, you know, and create a new vision for how things may be. And so um, once I caught the staffing bug, uh, I I just still today, love it. Um, I love the variety of the work I've been able to do, of course, over the years, I think that's part of the key of staying fresh. Um, But Yeah, I just can't imagine a better place where we get to help so many workers, of course, who are looking for work and helping them excel, but also clients have this need for quality labor. And I mean, we get to make those matches every day and and work with a lot of amazing people side by side. And so that's just an awesome,
0: awesome job. So when you first got into staffing, I'm going to double click on this one. Uh, Did you find that company or did they find you?
1: Great question. Um, I found them. Um, they, I, it's a co- college town here in Indiana, home of the Indiana Hoosiers. So uh, in Bloomington. And so I had reached out to them just to see what I was in a transition myself coming out of this you know, sort of small business development scenario. And um, that actually the person who I was speaking to said, your background's really interesting. We have an opening that I think you may be interested in. And so, again, you find the right recruiter, as we all know, in staffing, who asks the right questions and the rest is money. Right. And so yeah. um, I'm still friends with her today. Like she's, one of, uh, you know, a super close friend. And so she made the, the ask the right questions and, and it was history.
0: So did you go in looking for a job in general? Like, hey, I'm looking for a career. Can you put me on an assignment or find me a job?
1: Yeah, so I had done some temporary work when I was in college, and so, of course, that didn't bother me at all, and I th- I always thought it was a super unique concept, um, and so, in that case, yeah, I was just looking for stuff in between. I just relocated, and so I wasn't really in a spot where I had to find a job right away, and, you know, we all know going through an interview process and all those things is can take a while, and so, um, yeah, I didn't interview with anyone else. Uh, that was it. <laughs>
0: That's, you know, and, and the streak is alive, Kathy, because one of the things that I've said for years um, is that we don't necessarily choose staffing to be in the actual industry, That's but right. somehow staffing shows us just like your recruiter did. And more importantly, you know, it takes a unique person. There is a, there's a brethren or a fraternity in what we do. Um, very much like-minded, all have similar stories. And, you know, if we can't do it, you know, the staffing will let us know we can't do it, um, for sure. So it takes a unique person and those transferable skills. And that's usually the story. Somebody's got transferable skills and, you know, here they are finding themselves and and really building a career in something that they might've not ever otherwise considered. So again, thanks for sharing that with me. Um, but we're going to switch gears into something that we talked about a little bit. You mentioned it. I mentioned it when I introduced you. Um, You know, you've been heavily involved in the voice of the American worker uh, and to be more specific, the hourly wage worker. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about the work you've done there and, um, and some of the things that you do and that you've found, you know, that you've acquired knowledge wise uh, through that process?
1: Sure. So, you know, one of the things that Employbridge uh, attempts to do is to be a thought leader in certain areas, you know, to your point we're the largest light industrial staffing company in the country. And so uh, because of that, we have all these th- amazing access, you know, to to 10, you know, tens of thousands of clients. Um, I think we W2, you know, over 450,000 hourly workers uh, last year. Amazing colleagues, right? And so that allows us to to uh, talk to a lot of people. And so um, years ago, I mean, we're coming up, on, I think, on eighteen years of doing this survey. Um, we uh, had a team of folks who said, "Hey, instead of talking to customers about things that we think are happening in sort of an anecdotal manner, why don't we take advantage of?" all these folks who do amazing things for us and really ask them exactly what they think about work uh, and what they'd like to do and what they'd like to see. And so that started again, you know, years ago now. Um, And now we're in a spot to say, you know, 17 years, 18 years, largest survey of its kind. You know, last year we hit around 29,000 responses, you know, in the world of surveys, you know, 600. 2000 is big. So when we say we're talking to almost 30,000 hourly workers and taking their voice uh, and sharing their voice, uh, people listen. You know, it's like, do tell. What do we know? (laughs) And so uh, we talk to them about several things, you know, certainly their impressions of pay and what's important to them from a retention perspective. But we also talk to them about learning and upskilling and what they what they would like to do their plans to be in the industry or not. And you can imagine we break that data out uh, generationally to take a look at, you know, what could what could be different from an age group perspective or gender? You know, is there something that, you know, a male worker looks for versus a, a female? And then within the industries, right? Does a logistics worker look at something differently than a manufacturing worker or someone in transportation? And so, it's been a labor of love for sure. You can imagine a a lot of work, but um, you know, really the, what we've noticed certainly post COVID is that workers have a different view of their relationship with work. You know, I think that's been one of the biggest, just larger overarching things for us to think about is um, before COVID and it was changing before COVID, but you know sort of after covid uh many folks just had a realignment of what's important and you know uh as my daughter who's 12 would say in the olden days you know pre-covid um we would say work maybe came first but a little right. too often in our lives you know and certainly for the hourly worker um they recognize that they of course need to work to create stability but how they're willing to do that and what they're willing to do during those hours has changed. And so they won't take any more whatever is being offered. You know, they want choice, they want to be treated well, and they'll work really hard and they will be incredibly loyal in those jobs. Uh, but if the employer isn't meeting them where they are, they are more apt to move and take another opportunity. And of course they're out there, right? I mean, we still have almost two jobs for every working person. And so uh, maybe previously a a worker would not take the opportunity to move as quickly as we see today. Uh, They just won't take on an environment where they're not comfortable.
0: Okay, no, great. And and I wanna talk more about the 40 hour work week in, in just a moment, but I wanted to ask you, um, you know, when you when you're surveying these associates, and you, you said upwards to thirty thousand, if I'm not mistaken, uh, are you getting feedback from them just by going through that exercise at all?
1: Yeah, a few things there. You know, that group of of folks is um, sort of split almost evenly: a third, a third, a third of folks who are looking for work. So we have a view of a of a job seeker we have our clients full-time hourly workers included in that survey. So a person who's, you know, receiving benefits and or at least has access to them and has, you know, the stability of a, of a job. And then our temporary workers who are working and, you know, likely working what we would refer to as right long-term temporary assignments. And so those views start to morph a little bit. We do pull them out and take a look and see, but, I think many people would be surprised that all three of those groups actually think very similarly about work okay (laughs) you know there isn't because of their circumstance their circumstance isn't necessarily changing their view around hey i want an opportunity to advance here you know i want an opportunity to learn a new skill here i'm you know i'm interested in staying in the industry i think You know, if you watch national news, you may hear things like, oh, manufacturing is dying. You know, no one wants to work in manufacturing. We see otherwise. You know, folks who are working in manufacturing are like, I like this and I plan to stay here.
0: Right. So
1: then it's not really the worker attitude there. It's now up to our corporations, our companies to identify those folks who want to be here. And then how do we welcome them in? How do we make sure that they know that they have a place here and that they have a career path here with us? And right. so it's a really unique opportunity now to allow the, co- the, the companies who are the most creative and who are willing to extend that olive branch to their current workers in their facilities, I think are going to be pleasantly surprised by how open and willing willing you know, those workers are to stay and be solid workers.
0: No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and, and one of the things I would think, and, and you can guide me through this as I make a statement, uh, just from observation, is uh, when you actually take the time and, and, and give uh, you know, the associates, they might be temp, might be walk up and do work, might be temp to hire, uh, might be just long-term temp, regardless of what, what that might be. Uh, the fact that uh, you know, you're really asking some of those poignant questions really kind of shows that you care. And I would think maybe as somewhat as a result, uh, might even help with uh, employee retention, um, longevity and things like that nature. How am I on that one?
1: I think that's right. I mean, we even try after we do our survey, we actually reach back out to associates um, to say, hey, this is what you told us. Thank you you know, because they don't have to participate, right? It's 100 percent voluntary. And so I think you're right. I think workers and I would say any worker likes the opportunity to be heard and to share their view. And so Um, You know, we I've definitely met associates who were like, oh, you're that survey lady, you know, like I get that every year, you know, and I'm like, thank you, (laughs) you know, so, you know, even that we're known as a company who is reaching out and asking, you know, for their feedback is incredibly important. And certainly, I think we offer that opportunity for our clients to take up that information and also, you know, affect change in their organizations. And so, Um, I think you need both though, which is a slippery slope at times, but you need to be able to ask and take in and then do something with that information, right? And um, I think workers are always looking for, like I told them, now what am I going to do with that? And sometimes the answer can be, we heard you and we're not in a spot to do anything about this, but we are in a spot to do something about this. But that open dialogue and that sort of need and expectation for transparency is only growing. Um, You know, this most recent survey, very focused on the economy. You can imagine everyone was sort of worried. That was a a theme throughout was I I want to be told the truth. I want transparency as much as obviously a company can tell me what's happening. But like I'm an adult and I would like an adult to adult relationship. Uh, You know, keep me in the know so that I can better perform for you.
0: No, and, and you know, you hit on something right there that resonated with me. And it's just in life. People want to be heard. And I don't know if there's a better way than first asking the questions, but then having a vehicle to be able to deliver, um, you know, what were the results from something like that.
1: That's right.
0: So, you know, I, I want to talk about, you know, I guess your daughter, her name is it Kalia?
1: Kalia, that's right.
0: Kalia, yeah, Yeah. um, (laughs) she might say in the olden days.
1: That's right. But
0: I'm going to go back even further. So my (laughs) generation grew up and took it for granted that most people were going to work a 40-hour work week. Um, And you talked about this a little bit. You're seeing a change, you know, but maybe talk a little bit about gig work and flex work. Maybe these are some of the things that you're seeing in your survey um, I'd like to talk to you about that first, but I'm going to prepare you for the follow-up on that, uh, in that I'm interested to know that when you're sharing this with prospects and clients across the country, what are what are some of the things that they're seeing and appreciating and learning? And, you know, maybe you even have an example of somebody who kind of changed their whole outlook and approach. Um, I just... Downloaded a bunch of information on you. But again, let's start with the the gig work and and the and the flex work as opposed to that traditional 40 hour work week. And you you hit, hit that a little bit earlier, but talk talk me through a little bit more about what you're seeing.
1: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, the majority of workers for sure are looking for, you know, a 40 hour work week. They want the stability. Um, they're at a point in their lives when they need to count on those funds, right? To 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 live. And so we all understand that, right? But as we think, especially generationally, you know, the younger the generation, the more interested um, we are finding out that they are interested in flexibility and variety and choice. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want to work 40 or more hours a week, but they would like to do that on their terms. And so what does that mean? right? And so what that means is I think um, rethinking shifts and rethinking how we get work done in our facilities. And so we've been spending a lot of time in, in two spaces. One flex work, which we define at Employee Bridge as um, the same shift schedule. So if you have a six to three schedule today, um, the, instead of that being filled by one person, you could have two people um, who effectively are the full-time equivalent, right? So maybe one person works Monday and Tuesday, the other person works Wednesday through Friday, but that is their schedule. And that's every week. They show up consistently on time, do their work, but no more, no less. Like that's, you know, the schedule they've committed to. But the, the company is still getting their their full commitment, right? Of their 40 hours. The other piece of this is gig work. And, you know, two and a half years or so ago, I was involved in an innovation project around the hypothesis that we could attract a traditional gig worker into a logistics or manufacturing space we didn't know <laughs> we didn't know right. if we were cool enough right an industrial space to do something okay. like that right and so yeah. we went out and did a, a lot of research on gig workers and gig workers we found are very different than a flex or a, a 40-hour workweek person they're incredibly entrepreneurial. They're a little bit younger. They're very um, much, the majority are female. Um, They have family obligations. So whether it's elder care or how they have children, um, they're very focused on their performance. Many of them are used to being rated immediately on their service. And so they are high performers. Um, And are very um, interested in doing their work well and moving on to the next thing. No drama, very little. You know, yeah. social. You know, they just want to get in, do it, be told they've done a great job, and move on to the next thing, right? And so, we started um, a new product. You know, at Employee Bridge to see if we could. We knew we now what the worker wanted. Could we convince to your point a client uh, a company to imagine you know a place in which we could do this because a gig worker wants four hour blocks of time they don't want to work an eight hour day or a 10 hour day and you can imagine walking into a manufacturing facility or a logistics facility i got a lot of interesting looks (laughs) as i was sharing these comments right but, um, you know, there was also a lot of intrigue around if we could attract like this is the first time someone's come to me and said they could fi- bring me a brand new worker. Like I wasn't going to go recruit every who everyone else is recruiting, but maybe I could find someone who doesn't show up in any stat because they're not even part time, maybe. Right. And so um, I think customers and what I tell folks is I'm talking to, you know, large groups of manufacturing folks or logistics folks is if you're not having the conversation about flex and gig work and figuring out a way to incorporate that into your work schedule um, you are behind it doesn't mean that you've got to go change your entire facility next week but it means you need to be thinking about that if you plan to have your labor needs fulfilled consistently And what we have found is both on the flex and the gig side today Primarily, they're being used to cover attendance issues of our clients' full-time workers, right? I mean, we're, you know, temporary uh, staffing associates are not the only ones who have attendance issues, right? So yeah. we're covering the client's attendance scenarios where the, the need for project work can now be handled in a totally different way if you're including a flex or a gig-type opportunity, and the same for overtime, Um, you know, we're really putting a dent in overtime spend, um, you know, this past year in 2023, we saved one customer at one location, $2 million in pay that they had traditionally paid in overtime because we provided a gig solution that allowed them to keep their workers really, their current workers, very happy, no mandatory overtime, which is what we hear in our survey. A lot of folks don't, aren't interested in anymore. And our gig workers came in, did their work, got out, handshake. You know, let's let's go make it happen. And so I think we have some customers who are like, please say it isn't so. Come back to me next year,
0: right, right. <laughs>
1: you know, and I and yeah. I think that's okay, right? <laughs> um, and we have some facilities. Let's say they're twenty four seven facilities. Like, how would I possibly fit this in? And so we spend a lot of time working with them on where it could be. I mean. Gig work especially has to be that you can train them within a four hour period. You know, they're not coming in for three days of orientation. Right. So it certainly isn't for everyone. But for the right facility and the right job, um, it's been a huge, huge win for folks who are open to figuring out how to do it.
0: Kathy, you just answered the question before I could really ask it. And I alluded to it before, so maybe that's where you went. I was gonna ask you for an example of where you've been able to share this data, implement something, and two million dollars, you know, through through the process, uh, there were some heroes made through that process, That's right? right? That's exactly right. And, um, you know, and and people, you know, I think people want to be heroes. You know, they they might not want to, you know, pound their chest and say, look at what I did, but they want to they want to make a difference, they want to be heard. Um You know, and these are all the things that I know that you and the organization have been doing for quite some time. So, you know, my hat's off to you um, on that and on your continued success. Um, I just, you know, I'm going to thank you for being here today. Uh, I hope that, Kathy, we can get you back on here at another time because you have a lot of information uh, that we can uh, tap into. And uh, if you're okay with that, we'll do that somewhere down the road.
1: Yeah, I would love to. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.
0: Kathy, thanks so much.
1: Awesome.
0: Have a great one. You too. Well, there you have it. That's Kathy Canfield from EmployBridge. Just a, uh, you know, one of the top women in the industry, as we talked about uh, earlier, uh, just an absolute gem, a wealth of knowledge. And uh, we're just, we were fortunate to have her on today. Um, that being said, i uh, I want to make sure that uh, I share the news with you uh, and ask you to subscribe and tell your staffing pals to join us um, on their favorite podcast platform. And also, if you have any questions or you want to learn more about the organization I work for, um, which is Ultra Staff Edge, that ATS CRM software solution, um, by all means, email me. Give me a phone call. Um We're going to pull up that list here um, on the screen as we um, uh, end this uh, session. So until next time, everybody, thank you for being with us on the Staffing Buzz Network.